0: Boom. Boom. This is Slashers, your new favorite podcast about your new favorite horror media. My name is Jake, and with me as for the first time in the new format is my esteemed colleague, co-host, and cohort, Jim, the Jim Bob Majimbo Jim Turn. How the hell are you? Say hello to the mutant goons from beyond. What's up, fuckboys? Beep wee wee. Jim. What do you think of the new format? You were the first test audience. I sent it to you and no one else.
1: Did you really? Well, first. <laughs> I, think I listened to it.
0: <laughs> well, then I got desperate because you might recall on the episode, I talk about the fact that I lost four full episodes that I had planned yes. to put out. So uh, it went from a pilot episode that was supposed to be for internal testing purposes to next week's hot content. So that worked out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty impressed with myself if I do say so. I missed one week even with having a baby, a pandemic, and a real job. So I'm not too bad. Yeah, it gets better, hopefully. So you actually chomped kind of at the bit to get back on with the new format because reasons. Uh, What are we going to talk about tonight? We are talking about Evil Dead and Army of Darkness. So we talked about it. We were just wanted to do our favorites of the franchise because Evil Dead is a deceptively big catalog. And, you know, if you don't mind, I'm just going to kind of go straight into that element of it. So yeah. Sam Raimi write, does Evil Dead. And while he's trying to fund it, he strips it down to kind of bare bones into basically like a thesis statement and distills it into Within the Woods so he can get funding, which is a 30 minute movie. So you got Within the Woods, Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, Ash vs. Evil Dead. You got comic books, you got video games, you got a musical. I mean, there's quite a lot to get through. So we could have just exhausted everything, but instead we're just going to do our favorite shit for the most part, right? yeah i mean
1: life is too short not to do your favorite shit exactly and your favorite is army of darkness and
0: my favorite and all of america's favorite is evil dead one nobody cares about evil Dead two it's a dead topic we'll we'll move on it's no big deal everybody agrees with me there's no (laughs) issue so shall i get into mine just because of the chronological order of the films yeah yeah so right now this shit's streaming on netflix for free Yay! I got a Roku. As some people may know, I hosted Friday Night Action on B-Movie TV recently, and so I had bought it before that. It wasn't that mindless self-indulgent. I got it to support Doug. But what I love about my Roku is when I put in a movie, my Roku instantly tells me what it's streaming on and what I need to play it, as opposed to Google, where it says that Hulu has butt-fucking-everything, and then you click on Hulu and it's like, hey, do you have stars? Hey, do you have oh this? Oh my god. I hate
1: it. Yeah. Subscription required. God damn what it. I already have a subscription. That's what Hulu is. <laughs> oh, it's so annoying. I bet, I mean, you know, at least they're on something, unlike you know, the movie I had to buy off of Amazon recently, because you could only get a Korean Bluetooth <laughs> to, or a, a Korean uh Blu-ray. And, you know, no streaming at all.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have struggled to find that movie myself. So we're going to kind of keep it vague. But I have an inkling that we might be doing another watch party for the Patreon patrons with that. Just because I know that people have struggled so hard for it. And its reputation is divine. And you found some fun trivia on it. So I'll let you have that later on. Oh, yes. So (laughs) my movie came out. It's the original Evil Dead October 15th, 1981. A lot of people say 1982, but that's the widespread release. And initially, the movie is not a success at all. I mean, it made a pittance of money uh, in fact one of the investors expressed that he was actually kind of disgusted with the project because he wanted it to be a horror movie and felt that it was too comedic and so initially you know the on a budget of you know 350 to 400 ended up getting to 600 in its initial run obviously with midnight movies and drive-ins and stuff that gets a lot bigger but then the vast majority of this money comes from overseas and Did you know there are a litany of unofficial sequels to Evil Dead in Europe? Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you had La Casa, which was the house by Joe D'Amato. And then he did two films in 88, which were supposedly sequels to Evil Dead, which were that ghost house. Then he did Witchery, which was with Linda Blair. Then he did Beyond Darkness, which is the fifth one. Then House 2, the second story, the sequel to the Fred Decker film. Uh, That was released as La Casa 6, and then the horror show, which is (laughs) House 3, the horror show, released everywhere else as just the horror show, was La Casa 7 in Europe. Isn't that fun? In the fucking (laughs) wild west of distribution.
1: So wait, so they were just inspired by, or were they trying to like... Oh no, bro, like they put it in the
0: everything was like this is the sequel. Like you can look at marketing materials where it's like, oh, this is the next
1: Evil Dead movie, and no involvement whatsoever. Crazy. Oh my God. Did um the Sam have the Sam Raimi ever like acknowledge them or anything?
0: Uh, not that I saw in my research, but I didn't go that far, I'll be honest with you. But he just seems so copacetic with everything, I doubt that it would really phase him, you know? Right. So did you know? I mean, I'm sure you know. I'm not even going to insult your intelligence. You know there were a bunch of Evil Dead video games. We had Hail to the King in 2001, A Fistful of Boomstick in 2003, Regeneration 2005, and then Army of Darkness Defense in 2011. Did you know that there's a game that came out in 1984... No. <laughs> yep. It was produced by Palace Software and it was released on Commodore 64, BBC Micro, and the ZX Spectrum. And it looks like molten dog shit uh, from <laughs> like a canine who had ingested Legos over a period of years. Oh my God. Yeah. So, again, a deceptively large franchise. So, I'm really glad we just cut the bullshit and got to what is inarguably the best one. Like I said, Evil Dead, because we all agree. so the original name was just going to be book of the dead and one of the names that i really liked that i saw that was considered was blood flood but no yeah that's terrible (laughs) i love it though like it just sounds so campy like you know your blood feast your blood Blood diner your blood flood
1: Yeah, evil dead is so good
0: it's so succinct and then did you know evil dead had A subtitle at one point, but then kind of got dropped off, which was Evil Dead 2 Dead by Dawn. Yes, I saw that. I kind of wish it was just Dead by Dawn, but whatever. That's neither here nor there. And here's my fun one. Did you know the original title for Army of Darkness? Uh, No. So Army of Darkness is a great name, but I will never like it as much as Medieval Dead. Oh yeah (laughs) It's so good It'd be cool God damn it Like how did they not think of that It'd be Evil Dead Dead by Dawn And then Medieval Dead (laughs) Right Evil Dead Uh, Colonial Dead (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> and so going back, the whole franchise is obviously rife with references to other stuff. You know, I'm gonna kind of blaze through that because a lot of it appears or is directly tied to the first one. So you have the Necronomicon, uh, constructed by one H.P. Lovecraft, who put it in. Uh, well, originally he had to the author of the book Abdul al Khazred who writes the Necronomicon and that's in the nameless city, but then later it's in the hound where the book itself is introduced. So neither here nor there, but if you have the ABCs of Cthulhu, like I do, because it's the first book I bought my new son that is in it in two different ways. So that's cool. And so we can get into just some of the delightful little references. Now, In this movie, in the basement, there's a torn poster for The Hills Have Eyes. In response, Wes Craven put this film on in Nightmare on Elm Street. In response, in Evil Dead 2, there is Freddy's glove in the shack. And then you have the Necronomicon in Jason Goes to Hell, establishing that he's a deadite. So there's lots of fun little Easter eggs throughout the kind of franchise. And it really just makes me happy that like I love, you know, like, uh, game recognizes game, that's what this little right. thing is.
1: little horror director romance bromance going exactly,
0: on. Exactly, right? And so, I keep saying and so, sorry. <laughs> How uncouth of me. It's not like I'm not a professional or anything. Even the car is fucking famous in this movie. So, the 1973 Honey Beige Oldsmobile Delta 88 ends up being in Spider-Man. In Spider-Man 2, there's actually a scene in it. You got Eve Dead. You got Oz the Great and Powerful. Dark Man, the gift. Drag me to hell. It's the car. It's his car. So even that has multiple references throughout tons of media. So again, very referential. And you know, if you spend more than 20 minutes Googling this stuff, it's just going to make you happy. Because to encapsulate, it's like six degrees of evil dead as opposed to Kevin Bacon, right?
1: <laughs> it really is. That's pretty cool.
0: It even gets to new shit. Did you notice that there's an evil dead poster in Stranger Things? Oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if I saw it and I forgot. It's in the background, but still, it's a cool idea. Yeah. A little nonsensical that these kids would have meandered their way over to a theater to see it. But can we talk about that poster? One of my favorite posters of all time any genre
1: ever. For Evil Dead. For Evil Dead.
0: You got some good ones with Army of Darkness. You got the parody kind of of you know, your new hope yeah. and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we know what Bruce Campbell looks like topless. It's not that. So it's always been a little cheeky <laughs> for me. But this one is so great. And it has such a nice use of negative space, both with the blue and the black. I just think it's great. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah, it's, I, it's very classic horror filmy yeah i could definitely agree like the color palette and stuff
0: of course yeah and just the painted style is a little bit more like hammer horror than like your fantasy stuff like yours
1: yeah or romance novel like
0: (laughs) right especially with his svelte abs i think you're definitely right it's like more fabio than anything else Yeah. yeah and i will concede evil Dead 2 has a fairly good poster but not it doesn't compete to one or three
1: no it it's not like the movie poster, but it it like it almost feels kind of uh like crappy horror movie poster. I don't know how to explain yeah. it, but well,
0: because it doesn't give you anything about like character or story structure or plot points. It's just like a creepy leering skull, which is like I've seen that a trillion times. Yeah. And we can move on. Did you know that it, I just found this out. I was doing research like I do. Evil Dead the Remake, right? 2013. The characters' names are David, Eric, Mia, Olivia, and Natalie. Do you know what that spells? No. Demon. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah. I really was like, oh, how quaint. I, it's one of those things where it's like, I'm sure it was deliberate, but I'm also like so relieved that they don't shove it down your throat of like, hey guys, we were gathered here because we're names spelled demon and blah, blah, the old ones. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, like, uh, cabin on the cabin in the woods on the nose too much
0: yeah well like i love cabin in the woods but i mean come on it's you could you have to love it because you roll your eyes at it so much and you have like that stuff that they're making fun of is so valid and some of the stuff is like okay well if you don't have those plot points or you don't do those tropes you don't get horror movies so we just kind of have to accept it
1: yeah i think we talked about this in that on that episode where it's all the on the nose stuff is clearly satire
0: yeah right The murder, redneck, incest family, and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So while they were filming, they actually had to stop like five separate times so that they could fundraise, which is crazy. These guys quit school so that they could get like odd jobs. And Campbell talked about some dude giving them his Vegas money because he used to go to Vegas (laughs) and blow like a couple grand and then he gave it to them and it was a lot more. And so he just couldn't go to Vegas that year. So he's like, well, why not? Like, how bizarre. But they just didn't have enough or? Yeah, consistently over and over again, because people talk about micro budget, low budget, stuff like that. And you know, this had a, a fairly decent budget when you think about it, like three hundred and fifty dollars to $400,000. But also like they, you know, this isn't a movie like your bad taste, where it was one guy making a movie for a decade. It was a relatively short time period by comparison when you don't have a huge financial backing. Okay, yeah. And because of that, you know, you get some cost-cutting measures, if you will. For instance, maybe using real ammunition in your shotgun or uh, using a real chainsaw next to an actress's throat because you can't afford a prop. Stuff like that, (laughs) right? Standards and practices is like... That's scary. Yeah, as an attorney, I was like, so civil liability, <laughs> <laughs> And also, you cheap out when it comes to stuff like contact lenses. I uh, don't know if you know this, the contacts that they use in this movie. Uh, if you did not take them out after 15 minutes, your eyes would
1: suffocate, and you could go blind. Oh, that's scary. I think that's a probably maybe not so much now, but like years ago, people would you know buy like those con- like the the prop oh, yeah. contact lenses and like not realizing that you're not supposed to leave them in and you know they're gonna have a bad time dude
0: did you ever see that story where the person kept putting contact lenses in their eye and they like grew like a bacterial oh, colony
1: yeah oh my god it was so well, fucking it was like gross a, it's pretty common with like elderly people that still use contacts and they'll put like just keep putting them in and forget to take them out or whatever they, sleep with them, they put another one in and it's like and have like 15 and like one eye or something. Like, I don't even, like, can't even see, but they couldn't see that great anyway. Yeah, right. Oh, I <laughs> so got a new really cataract. Know.
0: It's like, no, Grandma, that's your 15th fucking contact lens. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, another cost cutting measure is the fake blood in the film. Uh, it was a mixture of caro syrup, non dairy creamer, and red food coloring. And because of this noxious mixture, Bruce Campbell broke his shirt. And Jim, I see you looking at me. You're going, you, you didn't say, hair. You didn't say split a seam. No, it was covered in fake blood. They put it next to a fire to dry. It solidified and it snapped when he put it back on. It's like getting wet and freezing cold. Right? Ah, So great. And I just imagine like being in the fucking woods of like great. I can't run to Target or Kmart or wherever to get another shirt. So I just deal, man. Oh And so one of the most infamous scenes, we got to talk about it, is the tree rape scene. And everybody who knows me knows I really struggle with anything sexual assault related in my horror. Uh, this is not something I enjoy. But it's very reassuring that Sam Raimi even is not a fan of it. He specifically said, quote, it was unnecessarily gratuitous and a little too brutal. He went on to say, my goal was not to offend people. My judgment was just a little
1: wrong at the time. So at least he knows that like, this is fucked. Like, ugh. Yeah. It's unfortunate that it was included. But I mean, what can you do? Can't do anything more than he's already said. So
0: I can also resuscitate it in another way. Because every time I've seen this scene in the last couple of years, I think of this from the director's commentary. There's a part where producer Robert Taper is talking about that scene, and he specifically says that it's inspired by Macbeth uh, in the Burnham Woods when they come to life. Well, I had also read that years ago, one J.R.R. Tolkien was upset that the woods don't actually come to life, which is why you have Ents, which are walking trees. You might recall the fun little tree that is on fire and douses themselves in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Well, now you see a woman being raped by a tree. I see a tree man on fire, dousing himself with the water from a waterfall. <laughs> and, and little details like that. You might need a magnifying glass for Jim. Do you want to ask me about the magnifying glass? It's the one you keep next to your bed? <laughs> yeah, so I can see my tiny penis. <laughs> I beat you to it. So, you know, he gives his girlfriend the magnifying glass necklace. And originally, she was supposed to, or one of them was supposed to use the magnifying glass with the sun to burn the Necronomicon, which is adorable. That, that ends up just not happening, obviously. But they'd already shot footage of them like exchanging the gift and everything, so they kept it. And I don't know if you noticed, but in this, in Evil Dead 2, in An Army of Darkness, every time you see that necklace laid on the ground, the chain, it forms a skull.
1: Oh. A cute little detail. Little
0: yeah. And I got two more points I'm going to make before I shut the hell up and let you talk about Army of Darkness. First being the tape you might recall that the pseudo latin words say at one point sama sah Rob dar hicar dande rosa which is sam and rob das ist hikers dan de rosa Which is Sam and Rob are the hikers on the road, which is Sam Raimi and Robert Tapert, who were the director and producer respectively. And if you go earlier in the film, they actually have a cameo as the two kind of doll headed fishermen who wave at them
1: on the road. (laughs) (laughs) don't you love that shit Uh, I love it there is a lot of just like little things that you would never know oh yeah there's
0: beautiful details in this franchise like when uh, Ash cuts his hand off in the second one when he covers the bucket with a book the book is a farewell
1: to arms (laughs) zing that is the epitome of Sam Raimi humor
0: oh yeah And then I guess the last thing I want to get on is the Tennessee cabin from uh, Morristown, Tennessee. So apparently they'd already worked with the Tennessee Film Commission. And the day they arrive in Tennessee from Michigan, not a short drive, no cell phones, mind you, they're told, yeah, that cabin's not available. And they're like, oh, so they end up improvising. They find another cabin in a valley that has been grazed by cattle for a period of over 20 years. The front door was knocked down by cows, and Raimi said they had to shovel out about six inches worth of cow dung to even walk around in there. They had to tear walls down. They had to make a cellar because there wasn't one. (laughs) But the plot thickens. Would you like to know more? Press one for yes, two for... Wouldn't you love a choose-your-own-adventure podcast? That would be so annoying to record,
1: though yeah ain't nobody got time for that (laughs) yeah
0: right so ramey said that the film commission told him it was haunted now the whole story i'm about to regale you with i think is bullshit because in an interview i was listening to with ramey uh from 1982 where he's talking about it the cameraman is laughing the entire time and giving it away apparently a man built this house on his own and then died Right, And years later, a grandmother, a mother and a young girl move in there. And because there's iron ore in the ground all around, lightning would often strike. And so one night the girl gets scared. She goes to her mother's room, finds her mother dead. And then she went to her grandmother's room, also dead. uh, They don't know if she would have been scared to death or what have you, but just of these dead. So she leaves and she wanders to a local farmhouse and those people adopted and raised her. But anytime lightning would strike, she'd wander into the woods. Now, they claim they show up to start filming and homeboy walks over and he's like, hey, what's up? I'm a neighbor. How's it going? My family adopted this great girl I'm looking for. It was storming last night. And so Sam Raimi claims that if you walk through Morristown, Tennessee, you might still find this woman wandering around, even though the house burned down a week later.
1: <laughs> <laughs> After
0: filming, gets struck by lightning, burns down.
1: Oh, God. So they moved to a set in California. <laughs> yeah,
0: for sure. <laughs> and apparently there is legend that they left a time capsule in the cigar box under the house but the house burned down and so some people have claimed that they found it and other people's claim that they didn't yeah bullshit i don't think that they've ever found it i think it probably burned down with the house sorry yeah. anticlimactic but that's what you get and i guess just my closing thoughts on the movie you know i love one word reviews and i think that if i gave this movie one it's charming like it's just It's great. It's a classic for a reason. It's innovative. It's fun. It's provocative. It's daring. It's ambitious. It's all these great adjectives. Um, But it's also got like this quaintness to it that makes me really enjoy it. And I've always kind of resented Evil Dead 2. And I'm admittedly somewhat unjustly. Like I love schlock. I love horror comedy. And so it like ramps everything up. But there's just something about this one that I just truly enjoyed. If you've never immersed yourself in it or you've never really given it a chance compared to its successors I really recommend it it's just it's a fun movie to put on over and over, year after year. And each time you can see those things and practical effects like, you know, the ankle injuries going over, where, you know, they couldn't even get the actress to come back. They had to have another actress <laughs> where they painted, you know, each thing and they took basically pictures frame by frame to show the spreading of the deadite disease or those cute little things. And, and you get those more like, you know, idiosyncratic elements like, you know, you see. Uh, scotty's wrist and then when bruce campbell pulls the root out of his stomach people often think that that's like his penis there's a lot of like fun little things and the more you delve the more interesting it is if you like the pursuit of the thing it makes it so much more fun and now jim tell us why everybody should just skip evil dead 2 which nobody likes because everybody likes the first one and go straight to army of darkness which you love Chad's going to be so pissed when he hears this cuz he was <laughs> he's going he, to be so bad. He loves <laughs> our Evil Dead 2, but uh so do you get one?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so if you love Evil Dead 2, also send all your hate mail to Chad. Yeah, if you love Evil Dead 2 too. too, too. <laughs> Foretold by a mystical book, forewarned by a wise man, fulfilled by a wise guy. <laughs> army of darkness. A wise right, guy, so, eh? Meow, meow. So army of darkness third movie maybe even fourth if you count the woods one truly all right. So the movie came out in 1993, and it was basically the exact same team uh, as the Evil Dead is written by Sam Raimi, produced by Robert Tappert, and uh, of course, starring Bruce Campbell as the lovable Ashley.
0: <laughs> yeah. And did you know that there's the the title, where the Bruce Campbell versus the Army of Darkness? It just makes me so happy that that's the kind of reverence they give him.
1: Well, yeah, he is the man. But the movie came out, they had a budget of $11 million. They first weekend didn't do that great. Yeah. Yeah. But eventually it went on to gross $21 million, both at home and internationally. So, I mean, at least it, it made back all its money and it could, it's considered excess. But it had, it had some weird competition. Yeah. Within like the horror franchise, it, horror movie competition, it didn't have like a ton. Children of the Corn 2 came out a month before. Not uh, terrible. And, yeah, but there's there's still like tons of movies in theater that weren't competing with it directly. Yeah, but they there were still like Aladdin was still in theater, A Few Good Men was still in theater, Groundhog's Day came out the week before.
0: That that one I think hurts the most because this being as comedic as it is, especially a guy in Bill Murray who's coming from a franchise like Ghostbusters, which gets the goofy horror people. That's right. tough.
1: Yeah, so it might not have been like, what are we going to see? The third movie in a low-budget horror franchise? Or are yeah. we going to see Groundhog's Day? Or are and, we going to go see Aladdin for the 10th time?
0: And even still, Aladdin- like, people don't know Bruce Campbell all that well. Even with all the cameos he's done and all the movies he's been in and the TV shows he's done, he's still not right. a household name like a Bill Murray I mean, or people, a Tony Phil, if you will.
1: <laughs> at this point, he was in... What he had been in Xena. <laughs> yeah, hot <right>? dog. <laughs> as a
0: as a gift from Robert uh, Tappert, Tappert yeah. who was uh <laughs> did he make was that his show? Did he make
1: that? Yeah. Oh, he co-created it. Jesus. But he I mean he's co-created and produced a million and one things. But it's a good segue because I want to talk about this guy. Please do, because he has done literally produced a million things. He's on Spartacus, Drag Drag Me to Hell, Thirty Days a Night, The Grudge, did all are Hercu- all of Hercules. Of course, he did The Quick and the Dead, he did Time Cop. But if you look at his most recent producing credits, Xena Warrior Princess porn parodies. Yes, yes, <laughs> I'm so into this. Yes,
0: please tell he, me,
1: like at least five of them, and with like legitimate. High, like big name porn stars too. What? Um, <laughs> no joke. They're on Pornhub. Amazing. But yeah, check him out on IMDb. It was probably the most shocking thing of all the crazy trivia that these movies have that stood out to me was this guy has a million things that he's done, and the last things he did was big budget porn parodies. <laughs> but like <laughs> of, the
0: thing of his created. own thing. Yeah. So I don't know if you could call it a parody. Like, You can't parodize yourself. Like, It's just no, no. the new it's canonical Z- <laughs> Xena warrior princess. Canonically, she's now in porn.
1: Yeah. Wow. So makeup in this movie was done by Howard Berger. Berger literally done everything also. Awesome. I won't even go into what he's done. But uh, yeah, so the movie runs 81 minutes for the theatrical and 96 minutes for a director's cut. And I'm pretty sure the only version I've ever seen is a director's cut.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It- because you would have been um, six when the movie came out, so uh, yeah. probably I not. Didn't,
1: I didn't see this until mid-20s, early, oh, early wow. mid-20s, early 20s, actually. Wow. Yeah. How? Chad. I'll uh, yeah. do it. Well, Chad was the reason I saw it, if that wasn't clear. Yeah, he wasn't the one he wasn't holding, holding you me back. back? No. I don't think Chad is ever holding me back from anything. So... Uh, like with Evil Dead, this movie has kind of a lot of crazy trivia to go with it. One of the funniest ones is that uh, when he's being Ash is being hit with rocks when he's a pr- prisoner to fuck with him. Sam Raimi started hitting throwing potatoes at him. What? To yeah, to get like a legit reaction, and that's that's what they went with.
0: That's awesome. One of the perks of having your starring actor be your high school friend, right? <laughs>
1: right some other stuff is uh, Bruce Campbell got a he got a pretty bad gash on his face I, I guess it wasn't terrible I guess he had like a pin on his cape and it just they were doing something and he he went across his face and cut him Ugh. and they had to take him to a plastic surgeon because you know that the moneymaker. and um the doctor couldn't find the injury they had to point it out to him because of all of the special effects makeup that gotcha. he was wearing so this guy, there you know, they—they were not filming far from Beverly Hills, anyways. They're, yeah, they were up, they were just, just up the fruit up over the hill, anyways. They—they they filmed in, um, what is it called, Palo something Ranch? But, um, Palo Saltos? Uh, Pol- no, 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 Pulsa Rosa Ranch. There we go. And uh, we know California. We were an actor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, we've only lived here our whole lives. Yeah. Right. But it's in- it's interesting this uh this studio. I guess you it's a ranch, but they offer if you just look it up plastic surgery. <laughs> no, so it, it's a studio, but it, you look it up and it literally just looks like it has an old barn on it, and the this person's website looks like if I was like looking at venues for like a wedding, right? Like, that's what this looks like. It looks like a little desert town. Like, if I wanted a little rustic wedding, this is where I'd go. But it's like, it's a movie set, and it's, you know, kind of deserty. But this is where they filmed all the, the castle scenes. Gotcha. And, and stuff like that. And then, so basically, all the scenes were up here. I don't know where they shot the forest scenes, but I know inside of the pit, they used a studio where they flooded it. Oh, and, yeah. And shot inside there.
0: You want to talk about some stuff with the pit?
1: Yeah, there was... um. The pit scene was supposed to only have one monster. Yep. And at some point on set, somebody scared Sam Raimi with another the 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 chick or with her makeup. She, yeah. She scared him, and what they ended up calling her the pit bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and and he he was so like taken by it that he he's had to put her in there.
0: That's awesome.
1: Which is one of my favorite the the like the karate, like the tumbling and the fight is is so ridiculous. Oh, yeah. and uh I mean it's just right up there with all of the <laughs> all of the fighting, but it's that's one of the, the funniest parts about it. Well just the I inclusion is the- awesome
0: because it's like, you know, in the video game where you beat the boss and then they join you as a playable character or whatever, like your Pokemans or something, like he got her and put her in. Right. <laughs> did you know that the uh, special effects supervisor, William Mesa, worked with Raimi on the storyboarding sequence for The Pit, and they took over two dozen storyboards from the 1948 Joan of Arc film? Oh. That film stars Ingrid Bergman, which I didn't know off the top of my head, but I did research, so I get partial credit. <laughs> But yeah, uh, how just like bizarre, like, uh, w- one of the things I found really interesting about that is like, what's stopping people from doing that more often, because I, I very often I can catch like visual cues and homage to stuff like Exorcist, but like full action sequences, I don't know that I ever really capture. So I'm really surprised that doesn't happen with more frequency.
1: You know, I'm really bad at catching things like that. I mean, you know, like certain thing like freddy cougar's hand or whatever like that's one thing but like i am not one i'm not nearly schooled enough in movies to recognize stuff like that but just like from like have that perception to like realize something like that yeah oh man that's just like way way over my head yeah, I,
0: it's one of those things where I have always look for it. And to me, I have like the antithetical problem where I miss out on story elements because I'm like, oh, what's this? What's that? Oh, can I see the tube where the blood's pumping through? Like, and I kind of remove myself from the narrative.
1: Mm. Going back to like the storyboard stuff. Sure. That's got to be common. Yeah. Right. Like uh, talking about derivative and inspired by uh, things. I mean, who probably doesn't do it? Like- <laughs> yeah, right. It's to some extent, not obviously not like the storyboard for everybody, but I mean, it's got to be a pretty common occurrence.
0: Yeah. And, you know, speaking about visual cues and whatnot, did you catch, and I don't know if you did, and I'm not going to judge you if you didn't, because I am a Star Trek nerd. Uh, the second book I bought my son after C is for Cthulhu was the ABCs of Star Trek, because I'm just that person, that some of this movie was shot at uh, the Vasquez Rocks, where the Star Trek episode, The Arena, where they have the Gorn that's then parodied in Galaxy Quest. That's all oh, okay. the same yeah. place. Like, isn't that that's just I fun to Galaxy.
1: me? (laughs) no that is cool so speaking of like little easter eggs there was uh in in the trunk of his his car there's a uh copy of dark horse presents fifth anniversary special yeah so you know that was the first episode of frank miller's sin city sin city but yeah so it was like a chronicle right or like just a bunch of different yeah of course not chronicle Anthology. There's a bunch of, it's a anthology. It's a bunch of different comics in there. So.
0: Little vignettes, if you will. Did you also catch there's a Fangoria magazine back in that son, bitch?
1: Yes, there is. The actress for Sheila almost quit acting because of <laughs>
0: the movie.
1: She just had like a, a really bad time. The the scenes were really rough to shoot. She was filming at night. Uh all the prosthetics were fucking with her. Uh so she literally almost quit acting. Uh she later on she said that. She got over it over the years and she ended up, she got so much good, like positive f- feedback from fans that, that, you know, it helped her kind of get over it.
0: That's awesome. Because nowadays fans are usually so toxic that people like quit Twitter and shit. Oh my goodness. People are just assholes. Sort of bing, problem. bing, bing, hot take from Jim. And he's entirely correct, gang. <laughs> Let me derail you. I already talked about video games. Do You know, this one has a tabletop game no like D tabletop or mm-hmm. like miniatures tabletop M- more like a D kind of no like click thing or having to collect them all or whatever so just saying you guys want us to do an episode where we play and jake talks a bunch of mad shit we could do it i'll do accent work my old dm loved my accent work uh yeah he's reached out to me a couple times he's like hey want to do uh D? we're always willing to have you i'm like yeah no,
1: I would literally die if I had another hobby at this point. Is it even... Can you even find this anywhere?
0: Uh, yeah, actually, I have a. what's like a uh, kind of Netflix for audiobooks and everything called Scribed. And if you actually go on there in everything, you can click it and boom, it's the full PDF of it. 242 <laughs> pages. So oh, wow, little light, easy breezy reading for you there, Jimbo.
1: <laughs> There's actually a uh, board game for it too. I'm down. Let's do both. It looks... I don't know. Board Game Geek is deceptive.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Corporate shills. Yeah. Just take me to where I could buy it. Yeah. Fucking bought and paid for. So we all know that Evil Dead 1 is the best one and blah, blah. But why is Army of Darkness a good second pick? Like, what do you love about this movie? My
1: favorite thing about this is the depth of the schlock. Yeah. (laughs) Because it it just, it's so mind-blowingly ridiculous. My wife hates it because of that. But it's like, it's right up my alley for it. And then I have a soft spot for medieval stuff. Oh, yeah i vividly it remember
0: me coming over to your old apartment and you playing some game where you were like it was like a i got call of duty but you all played as knights and it looked like the most <laughs> butt fucking boring thing i'd ever seen what? and you were fucking twitter painted about it you're like oh look i just swing this sword and you're on some like wooden structure and the sword was like clipping through shit i'm like this looks awful but you were just fucking queefing over how much you loved it I, it was very adorable
1: First of all, fuck you. (laughs) Second of all, I think you're talking about Mountain Blade. Third of all, fuck you again.
0: (laughs) I think you just proved my point with Mountain Blade, which sounds like, you know, if Mountain Dew released a razor for your face... no
1: No, mount and blade oh horse and sword (laughs) i
0: get you i I, see here's the thing if you've dated enough goth chicks as i have mount and blade means something different hey yo man woman (laughs) person
1: camera tv just
0: saying big bro bob (laughs) oh god Uh, damn
1: it (laughs) so okay so anyways i like the outside of the story elements the like the quests to to, the unlikely hero type of type of thing like oh yeah it's kind of funny because it's kind of that same thing but he's like so ridiculously macho tries to be macho but it's fun for like a specific scene that i stands out to me as like just Kills me is the um, the like Gulliver's travel inside the yes, with, with his like the little people, so uh, good, little him. Like that to me is is the funniest thing in this movie.
0: What I like about the movie is it's like a mosaic in the sense that it's a bunch of little pieces that come together to be its own cohesive thing. It, like you said, it's very referential in story beats and elements and stuff. You know, Whenever I see Ted Raimi on the screen and he's playing these different characters, it reminds me of movies like Jumanji where you have the character playing the other <laughs> yes. character or fucking Wizard of Oz. You have the character playing another character uh, and, and it's so enthralling. And then you have these things like these familiar story structures, like you're saying, that are just done in this like fun and innovative way. And when you have that juxtaposition with gory ultraviolence, it's, I don't know, I, I'm a huge fan.
1: Yeah, so it, you know, it's got it does it hits on like every little thing. You know, I'm not like a super huge horror gore person, but it does it enough in this that it got you know it makes me interested. But yeah, the the mosaic of everything is real nice. And then my wife hates it again, but I love his one <laughs> one his lines like. Yeah which get frequently said around here. It reminds
0: me of, there's an improv game called Last Action Line, where it's basically you parodying like the Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, let off some steam, it, And you basically kill the last person who did a joke. And they'll, you know the host will be like, ah, oh, can I get a suggestion from the audience? And they'll be like, a pencil. And then you go up and you like, stab the person with the pencil. And you say, you know, get the lead out and stuff like that. <laughs> and so movies like this are always fun because in, in the back of my brain, I'm like trying to one up the movie. And think if I can come up with a better line But even if I come up with a better line I don't know that you get better delivery than with Bruce Campbell Because he's just He is the quintessence of schlock And I love him Yeah. And also, speaking of him Do you want to talk about how he's like Mr. Sparkle from The Simpsons In Japan? I don't know who that is Mr. Sparkle, of course, is when Homer Simpson unwittingly Was a dish soap Mascot Oh, (laughs) That's the one where when they're flying to Japan, Bart has his Game Boy out, and she's like, "Oh, you have to turn your electronics off." And so he turns it off, and the plane starts to crash, and she's like, "Turn it back on! Turn it back on!"
1: <laughs> oh, I so I know. Okay, I, I recognize the um with like the big doe eyes and Mrs. Sparkle, Mrs. Sparkle. That's oh, so good. So yeah, so the Japan thing. So in Japan, the movie was titled Captain Supermarket.
0: I love it. I love it so much. It makes me realize that there's been a gaping hole uh, aside from my butt, but in my chest where there was a, a, a ironclad superhero with a shopping cart emblazoned on his breastages. What does it <laughs> evoke from you instantaneously?
1: I, yeah, I, I, um, I just imagined like, a. uh, I, I don't want to, not manga, but like definitely, you know, in, um, Dragon Ball, like the weird filler episodes, I love just them. Like, <laughs> I, all
0: I want to see is Goku and Piccolo learning to drive for fuck's sake, or when they play baseball. Oh my god, that's my favorite shit.
1: It just it reminds me of something like that, like a cutesy little character, like Captain Supermarket. I don't know, <laughs> dude. I'm so
0: into that idea. Oh man. Yeah, you, you knew exactly how to set off my brain because I'm actually I'm <laughs> fucking watching through GT for the first time uh, right now because I've blazed through Dragon Ball Z Kai, Dragon Ball Super, and now I'm on this. And uh, I'm, I'm loving it, man. I love just stupid shit. And uh, <laughs> the more ridiculous, the better. Like I said, there's a bunch of gods playing baseball in Dragon Ball Super, which is just delightful. Yeah,
1: but going off the, the supermarket thing. So S-Mart's actually a real store. Yeah, Mexico. shop
0: S-Smart. So you're shopping smart, right?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what, what it means, but hey, Mexico has S-Smart. Uh, is it spelled E-S-Mart? <laughs> <laughs> no. Perhaps I should phrase it this way:
0: upside down question mark, S-Smart question mark? Huh? <laughs> See, living in Southern California and taking three years of Spanish has paid off.
1: Hey, they're in Torrance and one in Downey. Road trip. Now I have to I have to investigate this. Oh, it's an Asian store. Oh, okay.
0: Cool. Is it like a Viartax thing? those are... I'm not even going to do it. Um, uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to steal your show and I'm going to talk about comic books because I do that. You remember when I belabored the point of Marvel Zombies twice in two episodes yes. nobody downloaded? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those downloads are still regretful. But anyway, the Ash versus the Army of Darkness uh, series... Uh, I really wanted to touch on the homage covers that they did. So uh, one of them, they did an homage to Superman 15 from 1993, where it's literally the death of Superman. They did one that was a reference to the first issue of Spawn, uh, X-Men Annual number 1, which is very important in your history of comics. They had the amazing Spider-Man 316 with Venom and then finally X-Men 1 from 1991. Each of those, just Google it. I mean, honestly, fucking pause the show, do the thing where you click the button, you rewind five seconds, put in each of those, or you could just put in Ash Army of Darkness homage covers, and it's delightful. And I think it's great because it's such the like quintessence of the film being that mosaic is even the you know resultant work after the fact had that same kind of gumption, if you will
1: the art
0: on these is kind of interesting and there's there's tons more because they did like the death to army of darkness and that had amazing spider-man dark knight returns more x-men more spider-man justice league uh so like this is not something that where it's a microcosm like that was part of the theme of those comics which makes me super happy
1: nice there's um was it from dynamite right the that the ones we're talking about there (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> some of these are funny they look like a, a sitcom or something
0: exactly and the art style i mean it's not that's going to blow your mind but if you're going to put no, it on no. a shelf uh, you, th- this is the kind of stuff that you want to put on shelves and i know that our listeners are the type of people to put horror shit on their shelves so which reminds me i need to start ordering more slashers merch so let us know what kind you want <laughs> at the, um,
1: the marvel one with um with wolverine with his eye drooping down is that yes. a, have you seen that one that one's dope
0: yeah. and they even crossed over with Marvel Zombies and our Army of Darkness which is awesome oh yeah yeah
1: Yeah, so on the the referential thing, in this movie, Ash is told to recite the words Klaatu, Barada, and Nikto to close the portal that uh, the Necronomicon opened. Uh, But it's also the same, or it's almost the same phrase that was used in The Day the Earth Stood Still. I believe it was Klaatu, Barada, Nitko. Ah. Yeah, so in The Day the Earth Stood Still, uh, it was to disable the robot Gort. And that's pretty badass. I mean, so... Just thinking about film, I,
0: do you think that there needs to be another film installment of the Bruce Campbell Ash? They've already said it's not going to happen, but does your soul yearn for more? Because I know that there are people who love and hate the Ash versus the Evil Dead on uh, what channel was that? Whatever. Stars. Stars. Yeah, the one I hate because of Hulu. Fuck Stars. Uh, but it's okay cuz i can find it other ways hey <laughs> hey but uh, do you think that there needs to be a like a proper campbellian sandoff? or are you cool with them just kind of continuing the franchise and doing whatever the fuck they want to do because it's their own thing
1: i'd rather them do whatever they want to do like i love bruce campbell but there's 3 movies of him doing the same thing plus a tv show so it's like I don't, I don't, I'm not going to say it's played out because that's kind of a shitty thing to say. <laughs> but I would like to see them do something different in the same kind of kind of ridiculous manner.
0: Yeah. And with the Evil Dead Rises coming out, I mean, I had kind of joked in the past that what I wanted to see was like a cloud-based, you know, they're using their Amazon Kindle or whatever. And that's how they read the Necronomicon. Um, funny enough, very recently, as in like the last day or so, the director... Uh, Lee Cronin described the film as a roller coaster of terror. Does that Twitter hate you?
1: Uh, no. Yeah.
0: <laughs> For Talk sure. Is
1: cheap. He, so this guy's literally done nothing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but at
0: one point, Sam Raimi had done nothing.
1: Yeah, that's true. But those are big words, big, cheap fucking words.
0: Well, I think that if you, I mean, because he's talked at length about his relationship with Sam Raimi and the collaborative effort that they've had. And here's one of the great things about Sam Raimi. You could say what you want. You could talk shit about Spider-Man 3. You can do everything. Sam Raimi wants you to be excited. He wants you to have fun. That's the bottom line every time. And he talked about where if you're boring your audience, he said, quote, that is criminal. And I think that if you can do it with a pace and an action, and even if it's not good, so long as it's moving, so long as it's fun and dynamic, people will love it. And so I think that there's potential there. And it just seems so bizarre to me. Like you said, they would pick somebody so green. Uh, yeah, but he also comes from a short filmmaking background, which is exactly what Sam Raimi was doing. I mean, he didn't just <laughs> do true. Into the Woods. He did movies like, uh, was it In Murder or It's It's Murder and other ones. Where he had feature-length films in high school. So I could see that kind of being a determinative factor in who they picked.
1: Yeah. I mean... <sighs> I I can't have name any off the top of my head for someone that's had this such a short list of things that they've done but and have got you know broke out with like a major film. Not that this is going to be a major film, but it kinda seems like it has more weight attached to it than what this guy could bring to it. But I mean, where I always reserve my judgment until I see something anyways. So
0: Yeah, and I think that kind of the tone of these movies works more in an analog age than a digital age. That's one of the things, because and tell me if you struggle with this, too. And I don't want to get too like esoteric on the topic, but when you watch a lot of modern media, like don't you just feel like shit's hokey in a way where yeah. like older stuff, you would just kind of give it the benefit of
1: the doubt and roll with it? Oh, 100%.
0: Like I roll my eyes at parody stuff all the time or even original content. I'm like, Oh fucking get over it. Like, of course that's going to happen. That's your ABC structure or whatever. And, but I'll watch the same old movie like 50 times. And you know, it's a weird thing where even if I'm watching an old movie, I haven't seen before, I feel like I give it more credit than modern films.
1: Yeah. I I feel the same way. Like it's, I don't know how to put my finger on how I feel about us newer things. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I mean you you know what you said makes a lot of sense for it though. So.
0: I do that from time to time. It's not all just talking about fist fucking and buttholes and the fist fucking of the aforementioned buttholes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, you have your moments outside of raw dogging. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a problem I'm working on with my therapist. Thanks very much. <laughs> But let's say you were given carte blanche authority to do whatever you want with an Evil Dead sequel and it, unlimited budget, unlimited everything. Is there Where would you like to see the franchise go? Do you need an Evil Dead in space? Do you need one set in the distant future? What would excite you to see compared to the other body of work that we have already seen? Oh,
1: I don't know. If they or to do like the whole go back in time thing and just make it like a different time, a different place, each movie type of thing. I mean, if you can come up with something, some sort of hook to make it, you know, some, some sort of catch to make it funny. I, I don't know. I feel like that could have worked like years ago. Yeah. You know, with like different people, like, where are they going this time? Like, you know, (laughs) but I don't, I don't know what would really, I don't know what would entertain me. Um,
0: I think that that's one thing that the Evil Dead franchise struggles with. You know, Already you have one and two basically being a remake. And then you have the third one, which is very much it's a spiritual success, so there's no question about it. It's just set basically a different time frame. Uh in terms of the themes they deal with. Now, say what you will about Bill and Ted's bogus journey and you know, or Bill and Ted goes to hell. But here's the thing it was something ambitious so that when you know Bill and Ted face the music came out you're able to make that shift. But here, as you and I are sitting here, I could tell you're, you're grinding your gears in your brain of like, well, how do I do something new, but still keep it the same, right? And that's something that's so hard.
1: Yeah, especially we have to think about Bruce Campbell too, because he's so such a, a powerhouse of of um, personality.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: That a lot of the movie is just him. That's what it is. Like It's his personality. And that character. So, I, I mean, you could take them out of that. Like, would you want to keep the shock? Would you want to get rid of it? And just go with horror and deadites. Like, but then it's not really Evil Dead. Yeah, that's what people Army criticize Americans. the
0: 2013, you know, uh, reboot for. of being like, well, where's the humor? And I think that I agree. I think that you really would have to delineate one way or another, like go straight into the schlocky, funny yuck yucks like the TV show did or go directly into the horror. But I think it's a really tough task nowadays to do a blend.
1: Yeah. I think for, for me, the most successful thing in being in terms of being entertaining would be go back to the schlock, find somebody that could replace Bruce Campbell, (laughs) not be him. Don't emulate him. Don't even try right? Um, yeah. I mean, he
0: is such a an archetypal character that like, tell me th- that you think that Ryan Reynolds would exist if you didn't have Bruce Campbell. Tell <laughs> me that Channing Tatum or a lot of these guys who are kind of within and without in these action movies and stuff would be where they are or how they are without a guy like Bruce Campbell to lay the way. And so I could see a lot of people trying to step up to the mantle. But at the same point, I, I agree. I, I just think it's probably better to just step back and just move away, veer off as quickly as you can, and just be tangential, right? Yeah,
1: 100%. Like, y- y- you can't, I mean, you can't do what you did before with Campbell. So, uh, find something that's organically funny, kind of in the same vein. Yeah. Or just green screen his head onto a young person's body. That would be fun.
0: Yeah i mean <laughs> we could do that yeah I, honestly i'm getting good enough at chroma key i could probably work something out <laughs> or just not just his face let's phone. do his whole head like on my little one month old's body and just <laughs> have him like crawling around shitting himself and the whole story is like it's not that he's gone back in time it's that he's reverted in age
1: walka waka. <laughs> there's this great there's this commercial on tv recently it's like I think it's like football players and they're, it's like the, it's the actual player's head on like a high school football player's body. Oh, and it's like, it's a little bit more out of that, that, um that range where you're like, is that real? Like it's definitely out of that range, but it's, it's almost, it's, it's kind of got that like uncanny valley type feel to it where you're like, it's so funny. Like, (laughs) and that whatever they did to make that, like the body move, like it looks like, you know, it, Like it is. Yeah. Think of like uh, Captain America. Yeah. Where he was skinny. Oh, yes. I love this. But then take it. But then take his his skinny body and make his head even a little bit even bigger. Like,
0: (laughs) dude. And then let me just let me just say this. People think the fucking moon landing was CGI. (laughs) And yet that is 2020 graphics and effects. Yeah. (laughs) She got to love it, man. Well, then again, people are fucking stupid. Yeah, people is is dumb. People is dumber than me. Jim, is it time to say goodbye to these goons for this week?
1: I think it is. All right, everybody. Goodbye. Good die. Beep beep, fuck boys.
0: Have you seen the movie Hook? I'm asking you knowing you can't respond. But I ask this because when Jim came back to the show, I felt like the Lost Boys being like, Pan's back! Head back! Um, I don't know. The last couple introductions to the hidden track, I felt like I was low energy, so I figured if I could crowbar a way to yell in your fucking ears, I should probably take it up. Now, this week's hidden track is Stray the Course, not Stay the Course. Now, this may be confusing because there is a band called Stay the Course. But, you know, puns are fun. That's why I do them all the time and rely on that. Or just brutal felching humor, which is a little abrasive. Um, I'm not apologetic, though. Whatever. So, anyway, this band's song this week is called Better Off Lost. And, honestly, like, I was never a huge pop-punk guy. Like, there were songs that I would like from this band or that band. But, like, the bands that I liked that did pop-punk, you know, like, my favorite probably would be, like, Sum 41 and you could look at albums like Does This Look Infected and it's a little bit more brutal, you know, always getting back to like hardcore and everything. But this is a song that I feel like I could legitimately say I would like any era of my life. You know, that kind of sense of like listlessness and having, even if you aren't going in the right path, just kind of thinking to yourself like, maybe it's better to not be on this path. And I really thought like there's a certain eloquence to it. It's beautiful. Kind of reminds me of like the Tolkien-esque, not all who wander are lost, but support these butt-fucking guys. They were very cordial and polite. Got me all of their shit in a timely fashion. They're from Colorado, which means they're probably high right now, which is good for them. You can find them, band at Gmail. StrayTheCourse.BandCamp.com. Facebook.com slash StrayTheCourseOfficial. And lastly, Instagram.com. Stray underscore the underscore course underscore underscore. I'm just It just ends course. I'm just being an asshole because that's what I do to fill time on this show. Show of hands. Anybody listening to The Hidden Draft? Because I love this section It's like half of my jazz of doing. This. Like I love being able to share our audience with a band. Because when I was in all of my bands, the idea of like finding an entirely new group of people who I didn't know was Twitterpating, and uh, not many things Twitterpate you in the 21st century. If I'm being honest, so yeah, enjoy Dre the course with their song Better Off Lost. <laughs>
2: My mind's awake, but my eyelids wanna fall Caffeine courses through my veins There's no blood left at all Pray for the release of sleep To put my mind at ease Bad thoughts turn inside my head Like a ship on stormy seas And when I'm on the road to success I'll crash through a guardrail I've had every chance to break through and yet I still fail, no matter what I do My wires end up crossed So maybe I'm better off lost. Make the same exact mistakes, exactly the same way Trapped inside the same old loop, just like it's all Day Someday I might write the ship and point my compass north Until that day I'll stay this way, moving backwards but not forth And when I'm on the road to success, I'll crash through a guardrail I've had every chance to break through, and yet I still fail No matter what I do, my wires end up crossed Maybe I'm better through a guardrail i've had every chance to break through and yet i still fail no matter what i do my wires end up crossed so maybe i'm better off lost and when i'm on the road to success i'll crash through a guardrail I've had every chance to break through And yet I still fail, no matter what I do My wires end up crossed So maybe